0: This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. At
1: Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers, incredible offers, and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo.
2: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports.
0: That clock at four. Donchich.
3: The step back three, you Music. You set my world on
2: fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. WPHD
1: WPHD HD,
2: HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli.
4: The scramble is on to avoid a government shutdown. Elon Musk went to the border. And uh, Diane Feinstein... Finally, kick the bucket. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. It's Friday. We made it. We made it through the week. By the way, the Snow White live action movie is going to be a freaking disaster. It's going to be terrible. And the so what what, what happens is that there are no original ideas in Hollywood anymore, as you know. So they take things that used to be successful or that were successful and they say, all right, what's right, we're going to redo them. They did this with The Little Mermaid. It was a flop. They did this with Mulan. It was a flop. They do these things. Now they're doing it with Snow White. But it's going to be a disaster. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be an absolute disaster in the making because it's going to be about as woke as you could possibly imagine. The remake is going to star a woman named Rachel Zegler as Snow White. Now, she has stressed that the cartoon is completely unacceptable by today's standards and her version will correct the original's issues. She said, it's extremely dated when it comes to the ideas of women being in roles of power and what a woman is fit for, she said. And uh, she's also brownwashing a traditionally European character who is basically known for having fair skin. That was known by Lauren Chen, who is fairly certain that with an attitude like that, the movie is going to be a huge box office flop. In addition, the beloved seven dwarfs were written out of the script. Because apparently, it's considered politically incorrect to give little people acting jobs. While promoting her new film on the red carpet, Zegler also told reporters that the original story featured a man who literally stalks Snow White, so they didn't do that this time. While there's no stalker in the film, there's a man who plays her love interest, however, according to the actress, it's still not a love story. Said, I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. Basically, the film won't resemble the original at all. Even if you're a huge Snow White fan out there and you're willing to overlook all these other things, you're still probably not going to like this movie because they are essentially stripping out of it anything that would have made it quintessentially Snow White. That's what Lauren Chen said from Blaze.com. Now, <clears throat> the reason why they do these things, though, of course, is because these companies are so freaking woke, and they, they, but they still want to make money because at the, at the end of the day, they're, they're, all, they're all capitalists who have Marxist ideas about the world. So they want to make money, and, and they know that if they take something called Snow White, there's a certain amount of people who are going to say, oh, I'll go pay to see it. It's Snow White. But this is not a Snow White movie. They should call it something else. It's not Snow White. But this is what they do. They, they, they take things, and they repackage them. Because as woke as these companies are, they want to still try to make the, 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 the moolah. You know what I mean? They're not going to give up on that. Disney is the worst, though. I mean, Disney shot the live-action Mulan movie in China, right where the Uyghurs are held in concentration camps. The Uyghurs are oppressed, of course, in China, the Muslim minority in China. Disney is the absolute worst, and they're losing a lot of money. And I think that if you want to understand wokeism and woke, the concept of it, just look right there. Just look right there. Snow White star slams as she continues bashing the original in another resurfaced video that came out. The Daily Wire had this story that came out Uh, in the video that resurfaced on Twitter. The 22 year old actress said, I mean, you know, the original cartoon came out in 1937 and very evidently so. There's a big focus on her love story with a guy who literally stalks her. Weird, weird. So we didn't do that this time. We have a different approach to it, what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because we cast a guy in the movie. It's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's going to be. Disney is trying a really interesting marketing strategy by saying that the original movie is terrible, and this is a remake of a movie, and the actress hates it, the actress hates the character, and the actress hates the movie. I mean, think about that. The, the, the one who's playing Snow White hates Snow White. So it's actually not the story of Snow White. There's no Prince Charming. That would be too rapey. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't have that. So it's just awful. Is basically what it's going to be. And she calls the prince a creepy stalker. <laughs> so there, there, you know, there, there you go. Uh, here's a couple clips of Rachel Ziegler dumping on the original Snow White movie. Take a listen. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that?
5: I just mean that it's no longer 1937, and we absolutely wrote a Snow White that she's is... not going to be yeah, saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. The leader. leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story for, I think, young people everywhere to see themselves in.
0: Snow White is running for president.
5: <laughs> I'm launching my campaign. And-
0: Alright, and here's
4: another one of her trashing Snow White in the movie.
5: I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, yeah. and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there's a big focus on her love story, Um, with a guy who literally stalks her. (laughs) Yeah. Weird. Weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. Weird. So no prince or a different kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because like we cast a guy in the movie, Andrew Burnap, Great dude. Um, It's uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024 um all of andrew's scenes could get cut who knows it's hollywood baby
4: <laughs> it's hollywood baby maybe there won't even be a guy in it at all <laughs> that andrew Burnup
6: guy is great but also we might cut all of his yeah. scenes
4: great dude but we might make sure that he ends up on the cutting room floor also screw him <laughs> and of course, you know, there are people in this world who are not particularly tall, and I don't mean like me. I mean there are people who are who are um, I, I believe the correct nomenclature is a little person, maybe it's a dwarf. I forget they keep changing it, but regardless and they they like they're actors and they'd like jobs, you know, and so this would be a good opportunity for them, but they can't do that because Disney doesn't want to do that. so Disney said, you know, uh screw you uh, little people, go keep." waiting tables in Hollywood. We're not going to give you acting parts anymore. It's just, you know, I mean, come, come on. All right. Uh, that guy, Andrew, what's his face? Good dude. By the way, screw him. <laughs> He's not going to even be in the movie. You know what? Snow White, we're making her a lesbian. In fact, the dwarfs are going to be all lesbians. It's going to be an all lesbian movie. I think I saw that movie once.
7: <laughs> Was there a pillow fight scene too? There
4: might have been. I'm just saying. <laughs>
6: That one would do better at the box office. That one already did well at the box office.
4: <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Slaves. It was a totally different movie.
6: Wait, one of the one of the dwarves in the film is a woman now, correct?
4: Probably. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's like six guys still and They should have uh, tall people identify as dwarves. <laughs> for the purposes of it. Well, who are the original dwarves? What are their names? Sneezy, Grumpy, Daffy, I don't uh, think that was one. No, the de- <laughs> Donald. That's Trump.
7: Mickey, Goofy,
4: Seven Dwarfs. Goopy, here we bashful, go. I think. Oh, you got him. I got him right here. The Seven Dwarfs. Let's see. uh Doc, Grumpy, Happy, Sleepy, Bashful, Sneezy, and Dopey. Well, the problem is you can't. A lot of these names are politically incorrect. Like Doc, you can't say Doc anymore. You know what I mean? I guess that's Doctor Joe Biden. <laughs> So it's Doc actually has an education doctorate. Grumpy, you can't say that. Grumpy is just a disenfranchised person because of capitalism. (laughs) Grumpy's very upset with the capitalist largesse of the kingdom. Happy is on drugs. Happy's on drugs. Happy's on antidepressants. Huge, huge antidepressants. Big Pharma loves Happy. Speaking of Big Pharma, Sneezy didn't get his COVID shot. Sneezy did not get a COVID shot. Right. Sneezy wears a mask in the entire movie. (laughs) Sneezy wears a KN95 in the entire movie. Uh, Sleepy is uh, it, it's really unfair because he has narcolepsy, <laughs> and so he keeps snorting Adderall the entire time. <laughs> Bashville, bashful, bashful. He's embarrassed. He's uh, he's a little bit shy. So that's bashful is just what we call. I think I think he got canceled now, so he's watching what he's saying nowadays. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And then Dopey, which is anyone who pays money to see this movie. (laughs) If you go see this movie, you are Dopey, all right? You are Dopey. Congratulations. Sneezy, stand six feet away. (laughs) Sneezy, is that KN95 properly fitted? And I think Fauci comes in the movie and he's like, all right, dwarfs, we're all going to boost you now. (laughs) Come over here, Sneezy. We're going to do the COVID flu a uh,
5: booster.
4: <laughs> I love the idea that Snoozy has to socially distance throughout the film. Throughout the entire time, yeah. right? And then it turns out that the evil, the evil queen is like an anti-vaxxer or something, and like comes out and it, the mask comes off. It's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Like, kill him. <laughs> China will love this movie. China will love this movie. Fauci's going to show the dwarfs, is like, come on, boys, let's go eat some bat. All right, well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here and say that this movie is going to be a giant flop. Uh, I think I could
6: safely predict that. All the Disney movies have done terrible at the box office recently. Wasn't there a statistic that the last eight lost $700 million or something? Is that what it was? Something like that, yeah. When will they learn? When will hmm. they learn?
4: Learn what? Not to just, make crap?
6: Yeah. Everything they, they just put out quantity quantity over quality Just get it out there everyone wants to see it when in reality
4: there's no demand for it let's see disney movies flop let's see disney movies flop. the four flops of 2023 that cost disney one billion dollars right remember they tried to blame it on desantis the four flops of 2023 that cost disney one billion dollars i actually really enjoy this because i love the shot and of this Disney has revealed that it's spent $965 million on four of its most high-profile streaming and film flops this year. Disney has been in a cost-cutting drive since its chief executive, Bob Iger, returned to the helm of the company in November of last year. Three months later, he told investors that the studio needs to reduce costs on everything that we make because, while we're extremely proud of what's on the screen, it's gotten to a point where it's extraordinarily expensive. It is no exaggeration. Budgets of movies and streaming shows are usually confidential as studios combine the cost of them in their overall expenses and don't itemize how much they spent on each one. As we have reported extensively, productions made in the UK are an exception, blah, blah, blah. Disney right now, here are the four flops that killed them, uh, according to Forbes. Let me go down to it here. The Little Mermaid, that was a huge flop. They spent a total of $265 million. $265 million. They were behind production, but then the ultimately it wound up being, I think, close to $300 million, huge flop. Uh, the Indiana Jones movie, huge flop. That also was a big flop. Secret Invasion was a terrible show. That was a big flop. And, uh, and then they had something called Strange World. That was also a huge flop for Disney. So there you go. I mean, you know, they're, 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 they're wasting a lot of people's money. And you're wasting your money if you give it to Disney. <laughs> Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. Elon Musk visited the United States southern border. He had a lot to say. He went down there and talked to Sheriff Randy Brown and Representative Tony Gonzalez. Here's Elon down the border. Cut five. Um, well, and just, just uh, again, just assume that the you know this is a uh, this is really just for the, the general public, and
7: so we want to just frame the situation because uh, not everyone knows like the magnitude and. You know, like, is this uh, normal or is is it like? So, so, just if you could just frame the situation for
3: the general public, you that know, would be helpful. What 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 terrifies me the most is we're seeing historic numbers, historic eleven thousand people coming over daily for the past week. Uh, Here in Eagle Pass alone, 2,500 people, over 5,000 people in in detention. But what worries me the most is this, in in many cases, feels normal. The part that doesn't make it out on some of the news stuff is there is a golf course, we're literally standing in front of a golf course and you have people playing golf as if it is normal. To the right, you have people that are coming over illegally. I mean, it is it is upside down. And and like Elon said earlier, I, mean, I believe in, in legal immigration. I think uh, legal immigration is important. And what happens is when you grant people that have come over illegally these different opportunities, you completely undermine okay, the but, legal but system. I think, you know, like the stuff we
7: were talking about in the car, the yeah. magnitude of the situation. The magnitude of it, yeah. So it's like... like um, the, the fact that we are seeing all-time highs in yes. illegal costs—that and, and that 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 ramp is increasing. Yes. So th- th- these are really important points because the public isn't isn't. I think it's not, it's not necessarily clear to the public. Uh, is this is this normal or, 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 are, or are we you know are we seeing an accelerating crisis? It's not getting
3: better. It's getting worse. Last Friday was the was last Friday a week ago was a historic number eleven thousand people that came over. Okay. Uh, and then on Monday that number increased. Today is Thursday and that number increased. We're only going in the wrong direction. This is a week. What happens two weeks from now? Uh, it, it, it's the wrong way. Okay. So basically, we're seeing uh, um, unprecedented, the the all-time highs, um, and increasing, and spreading. It's not in just one area. It's it's not just like it's just one city or one town, and not even one state anymore. You know, we're talking about New York today, but. Chicago, you're hearing it there. L.A., Denver. There's all these other places where it's just spreading, just continues to get you know, okay. w- bubbling up. And, and just to quantify it, uh, I think you said
7: 2,000 a day or something, just just in this location. Just here.
3: Yeah, just here. So that's
7: uh, like over 700,000 a year. Just yeah. in this one location, yeah. Okay, uh, 700,000, uh, sorry, legally words a year. Just in this one location? Just in this one location. Okay.
3: Uh, El Paso, right now in El Paso. Just,
7: then, yeah, that, that's, that's higher than the population of Wyoming,
4: uh, exactly. FYI. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
7: Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. Absolutely amazing. It really is. Absolutely amazing. And, and, and we, we watch this happening, and then we hear people like Hakeem Jeffries, who said that it's great what's happening. It's, I told you It's exactly what I said, right? Did I not tell you this? This is exactly what I said. They're happy this is happening. This is the House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries on CNBC Cut Six.
7: As a New Yorker, uh, given the border crisis that we're having and, and the, the, the immigration crisis that this, that this state is having, and what seems to be a standoff, frankly, between the, both the mayor and the governor and now the administration, how do you see that playing itself out? Do you think that the governor should be asking for more? Do you think that, that uh, she should be declaring a state of emergency? Well, I think that uh, President Biden in granting temporary protected status for Venezuelan refugees has taken an important step forward. We believe that the numbers uh, in New York currently uh, under the care of the city of New York are anywhere between 15,000 and 30,000 Venezuelan uh, migrants who are eligible to work while they are waiting a decision on their asylum application. And when I've talked to people both members of organized labor and members of the business community. They've said that there are labor shortages and that these uh, refugees who now have work authorizations can provide assistance and meet unmet needs.
4: So it's great. It's great. Now they can work and soon they'll be citizens and they'll all vote Democrat. It's great. We're so happy about this. It's great. Unbelievable. It's fantastic. Uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, during a press briefing, made a very, very good point about the president of the United States and the border situation, the border crisis that is happening right now. Cut four. But despite the chaos, the president still won't go to the border, setting new records every
2: day, fentanyl at an all time high, killing Americans, and he refuses to go to the border. He's been one time in 50 years, one time in 50 years. He's had more dinners with Hunter Biden business partners than he has going to the border.
4: Think about that for one minute. Just think about that. He's exactly right. 855 through nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you would like to uh, weigh in today. Uh, You know, the auto worker strike is still going on right now. It's still happening. It's on its 15th day. California raises minimum wage for fast food workers. New Jersey just raised its minimum wage to $15 an hour. Here is a uh, flashback of Joe Biden telling auto workers that he's full of S. He was touring a Fiat Chrysler plant in Detroit on the 2020 campaign trail. And he lashed out at a Michigan factory worker who accused him of actively trying to end our Second Amendment rights. Cut two.
7: You intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish your Second Amendment rights and take away
3: your gun.
0: You're for All right. Thank
3: you guys. Guys. You're not allowed to own any weapons. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need hundred rounds.
4: And so you're, when you were in bedo, no. when you said you were going to
3: take her a I did not blocks.
7: say that. That's yeah, not. I did a not a say that. Bible video. Hey, this is not okay. Hold on, hold on, All right. hey, you, want no on you want to be real? There's a lot, hey, you're, you're a lot of guys. Awesome me, me, a lot of guys wanted. you're full
4: of it, man. I'm not worried. Hold on. Come here, man. You're putting up on me. you're full of it, right? Amazing. He tells a woman to shush. Yeah, he mansplained right there and told the woman to shush shush it lady shush everything about that clip is
6: amazing zip it starting to take the guy outside tells the woman who was trying to help biden to shush
4: yeah but you know the, the other thing too is he doesn't sound like joe biden he sounds like somebody who's with it and cognizant does he not he does sound different here play it one more time go ahead
7: you intend on getting the union vote when there's a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to
3: diminish your second amendment right and take away your gun. You're
0: 40. All right, I
3: thank you Now, Shush, you're not allowed to own any weapons. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So you no.
4: when you said you're gonna take her gun I
3: did blocks. not say that. That's yeah. not true. I did That's not a say viral that. Bible video. Okay. Hey. This
7: is not okay. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Hey, let's you want, no on on. Me the the deal. Deal. want to be a hey, real man? There's a lot of guys. Me, man. A lot of guys wanted. I'm not worried Hold on. Give me a break, man. Don't be such a worry guy.
4: I'll tell you how back and kick your ass. What I'm gonna do? You zip it, lady. Shush. Zip it. Uh, but he sounds like a man who has not completely lost his mind yet. I mean, he's angry. Joe Biden's an angry, nasty guy. He has been his entire life. But he actually sounds like he can... Does he not, Matt, sound like he can at least know what day it is
6: back he, then? He does sound different, undoubtedly. Completely yeah. different. A lot more feisty, obviously. Like,
4: Let's compare that to a recent... Yeah, you have another Biden clip you can play? Let's compare um, the two. Yeah, let me grab... Pull one. up any random recent Biden. Let's do a side-by-side comparison. Yeah, when's kind that... Of, was that from, what, when he was campaigning... Yeah, it was 2020. Yeah. It's crazy how much he's fallen. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. it's, it kind of ties into that article I read from National Review in the first hour, right?
6: Totally. All
4: right. I'm pulling up a clip uh, from yesterday.
6: Give me a second. Sorry. It's great radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I'm trying to find something recent. All right. Here he is talking about, I guess this is, oh, this is actually earlier today. This is him talking about General Mark Milley. All right
4: and always has been, Mark's North Star.
3: I'm so damn proud to serve with him. he's He's made it the central image on his challenge coin.
4: Okay, I mean, that was not the worst Biden I've heard, but still pretty bad. Now compare it to the other one.
0: You intend the union vote when there is a large portion of the
7: union workers that are gun enthusiasts, and you are actively trying to diminish your Second Amendment
3: right and take away your gun. You're for. All right, thank now, you. Now, now, Josh.
4: Josh. Not allowed anywhere. Hey, ladies, I'm zip not it. Not taking your
3: gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. you were NATO, when you said you are going to take guns, I did not say that. That's not. true. I did That's not a say. Viral
7: that. video. Okay, this is not okay. Hold on, hold on, All right. Hey, let's you want to tell me the There's a lot of guys. Lot of, of guys, guys. Hey, you're, for me, wanted. To. Me,
4: man. Hey, I'm not hey, worried. Hold hey, on. Oh, Give
7: hey,
4: me a break. I'm gonna take you outside and kick you. That's what I'm gonna do.
6: Here's another one from yesterday. A quick one.
4: Go ahead. In Europe, the NATO
0: meeting. sat down. It was in February, February uh, January, after being elected, the late January, early
4: February. Man, it's changed. It's it's a big change. All right, Dr. Victoria Coates is going to join me next, and I won't tell her to hush. She is uh, the best. We'll talk foreign policy, Bob Menendez, Egypt, etc. So don't go away.
2: Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone
5: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
4: All right, Friday it is. Thank you for being with us all week. Appreciate it very, very much. Of course, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. if you'd like to weigh in today. But it's always fun when I can wrap up the week. You know, I love Fridays for so many reasons. But one of the reasons is, of course, because I get to talk to great people, including Dr. Victoria Coates, who joins me right now, Philadelphia's own. She is the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. She's also the author of David Sling, A History of Democracy in 10 works of art how are you dr victoria coates well
1: happy friday rich it's good to be with you
4: and we also have uh the phillies now in the playoffs so i know you're happy about that
1: i couldn't be happier they clinched on tuesday night they've got the number four seat we're up from being number six last year to n- number four so that's an improvement can we're we get past atlanta that. that's Exciting the question next week well we did last year so i think and when we just Took a series off of them in Atlanta uh, last time we played them, so I I have I I literally have
4: high hopes. I do too. High hopes. That's a (laughs) great way to put it. High hopes. And of course the Eagles are undefeated. I'm going to the game Sunday. I'm excited.
1: Yep, take out the evil commies or whatever they call themselves these days. (laughs) Uh,
4: The Washington commies.
1: And, yeah, that that should, that should be a great game. Have a
4: wonderful time. It's going to be a warm day, too, on Sunday. It's going to be, like, 77 degrees. Yeah. So Perfect. That'll be nice. I was going to wear my new Kelly Green hoodie, but um, John Fetterman, I guess, will just have to wear it instead. How does a guy yeah, deal think- with the hoodies in the heat all the time? You ever wonder that?
1: Yeah, it's just it, and that's the thing is, is it doesn't actually look all that comfortable. It looks bulky and, you know, sort of oversized and droopy. And I'm really proud of the Senate that they came together to unanimously pass a proper dress code. And he showed up in a suit this week. So that was that was good news for the government.
4: Absolutely. All right. Before we get into stuff, I I, I want to ask you your thoughts on Senator Menendez and Egypt and and all of it. Now that we, we have more details coming out. And talk to me about Egypt's human rights record and and the idea that at some point there were members of Congress who wanted to tie uh, international aid to Egypt, American aid to Egypt, I should say, to their improvement of their human rights at record, which obviously we we now realize Senator Menendez just completely put the kibosh on that.
1: Yeah, no, it's a huge problem because he's been such a powerful voice in the Congress on international affairs for years and years and years now. And, you know, the case of Egypt is a sensitive one. I have found in my engagements with Egypt, you do a whole lot better on human rights to to deal with them very directly, very personally, explain the ramifications, uh, you know, what what the United States wants to see and lay out a path for them, for how they get there. So I actually am not hugely in agreement with the approach that, you uh, that some in Congress have taken while agreeing with them on human rights issues. I don't like time, particularly military uh, cooperation with Egypt, which is designed to keep the American people safe. And that, that should be the priority for that. And I think there's a better way to engage Egypt on human rights. But for sure, the way to engage Egypt is not to be taking gold bars and other things from them uh, in return for policy favors.
4: Speaking of uh, keeping America safe, I noticed that, the, that China, Chinese hackers stole 60,000 State Department emails in a recent breach, which was reported, uh, I guess, yesterday. How, how, does, how does something like this happen? It was actually the, the, the breach occurred in July, but the story came out yesterday. How does something like this happen?
1: It, it's just outrageous. And bear in mind, this happens all the time. They hacked the Commerce Department, including the Secretary of Commerce, the week before she went to Beijing. And she went anyway. And she says she raised it with them, but how do we know? And, you know, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, put out this fulsome statement today praising China on their national day and, and on behalf of the American people. I was thinking, that's not on my behalf. I'm not happy about the fact that the Chinese people have to live under a communist dictatorship. You know, I don't want to work with them on climate change and all the other things. Oh, and public health, he listed in this statement. When, when they've just hacked his entire department, it's, it's just outrageous. And it just shows how fundamentally unserious this administration is in confronting China.
4: It, yeah. And, and I have to wonder, too, whether Joe Biden is compromised by China. That's why I'm glad they're starting the impeachment inquiry, because I've, I have a lot of questions about China and in terms of what they have on this president, because it seems like he's letting them run roughshod. But there's a story that U.S.-China talks are gaining momentum and that there may be a, a summit with uh, Xi Jinping and Joe Biden. What, what would that summit encompass? What would that look like, you think?
1: Oh, it would be a public relations uh, exercise for the People's Republic of China. They would just, you know, take every opportunity to make Xi look strong and make Biden look weak, which is unfortunately pretty easy to do these days. And they would string the administration along on particularly on climate, where the administration has to get a deal with them to even consider making their what I consider to be completely unrealistic climate go- goals that would do that. The notion that you'd talk to them about public health after the pandemic, it should seem laughable, but I'm sure they'll try. Uh, but it's, it's a terrible idea. You can't deal with the PRC in good faith. They they will simply do what they think is best for them and. Uh, and and none of none of this you know touted progress uh, that the administration will claim is real, and all it does is you know undermine the security of the American people.
4: What do you make of that story that the CIA was working to suppress the lab leak theory of, uh, of I mean, which I think is a lab leak fact that the COVID came from from a lab? What, why would the CIA be interested in getting the the scientists all say was zoonotic what well, what do you make of that
1: that that is the cia which is part of obviously the federal government responding to the directives from the white house uh the the president has something called the president's intelligence committee uh which takes the president's intelligence priorities and then sends it out to the ic including the cia i see being an intelligence community because it's not just the cia it's Defense and there's elements of energy all over the government, and those priorities go to all of those those different intelligence collecting bodies. So this is what they had been told to do. And at Heritage, we've just uh, stood up a bipartisan, which is interesting, a bipartisan commission to study the origins of COVID and the ramifications of it, uh, both how you know, China has harmed, materially harmed the world, but then also how the Biden administration's response has materially harmed America through this kind of disinformation through all of the Fauciian policies that did so much damage to our kids. So a uh, former DNI uh, director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe is chairing that we expect to have a big report out in January. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Heidi Heitkamp, a Democrat Senator, agreed to join, for example, suggests there's some hope uh, that at least the occasional Democrat will pay attention to this problem.
4: Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Dr. Victoria Coates is with me today, of course, and uh, we talk about foreign policy because she is an expert in this. She's a former national security advisor and the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage mm-hmm. Foundation. Uh, the autoworker strike that's going on, I find it fascinating that the electric vehicle issue is not a bigger part of the conversation here, because obviously these EVs and and, and and watching the Republican debate the other night, I actually thought on this issue, Doug Burgum actually had the best answer when he said China is destroying the world with their mining for these precious, uh, you know, precious minerals for these batteries. And these EVs are going to put American workers out of jobs. Why why is it that the EV conversation is not coming up more in this uh, auto strike, you think?
1: Well, I think it is under, you know, amongst people who, who, are, who are reasonable. I was with Governor Bergamount out in Oklahoma City earlier this week for Harold Hamm's uh, Energy Security Summit, which was a fascinating event. And this came up a number of times in that context that the kind of forced march to electric vehicles that we are, we are experiencing under this administration is completely distorting and potentially destroying one of our great domestic industries, which is the automotive industry. And, you know, the costs of these things that are the, the uh, major producers are having to subsidize are extraordinary. So if somebody wants to go buy, you know, a normal good old, you know, F-150 pickup truck, uh, you are paying an additional somewhere between five dollars and $15,000 for that truck because of the subsidies for the EVs that Ford has to provide to make them even remotely affordable. And, you know, the next play here from China, and we can see this coming a mile away, is they will want to flood both Europe and the United States with cheap EVs that they will subsidize to corner the market. And make us dependent on them and i'm sure the biden administration will welcome this you know sort of death blow to to american auto producers because they want the cheap evs on the on the streets
4: oh that's not good i mean that's that's a terrible situation and i i think about that when you hear pete Buttigieg say well either china's going to do it or we're going to do it and china's doing it and 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 that's the problem here china is doing it and I don't think the the idea of saying well then well, the United States of America has to beat China at this game is the logical conclusion to that to that situation. And, but but this administration is so hell bent on on this EV mandate where you got states who are literally making the, the, the gas combustion engine illegal and saying everybody has to drive an EV. I mean, they are interfering in the marketplace in a big way in this. And so the automakers now are, are being forced to respond to that and invest in all this R&D. And of course, China looks at that and says, yeah, let's take advantage of this market that the government of the United States and, and some of these blue states here are, are creating here.
1: No, absolutely. It's it, it it's completely artificial. As I said, it's distorting to the market, but it's also going to be destructive. Bear in mind, the EVs are extremely heavy, uh, much heavier than normal, uh, normal vehicles. And so this is going to put massive wear and tear on our infrastructure. We don't have the charging network to make them reliable. I don't know if you've heard this, but repeatedly uh, I've had folks who have tried out an EV, uh, who have a commute that's longer than five minutes saying, you know, this just doesn't work. You know, it's just it's just not practical. So for for many many Americans, this is potentially a great a great hardship. And then, as I said, it's going to also come with an enormous tax on our infrastructure that we don't have to do. I mean, there are plenty of things, roads and bridges, we need to fix. Uh, living in the, the great uh, city of Philadelphia, I could give you a number of examples of problem spots that I'd like to see some money thrown at, but. <laughs> <laughs> rather <Really? laughs> than you know, rather, yeah, rather rather than taking care of the stuff that's right in front of us, we're going to cause more problems that we're going to have to take care of. And it really it it's unnecessary. It's draconian, and it's just going to benefit the Chinese.
4: Well, I got I got another thing. Since we're talking about throwing money around, how about we throw a little money at the border and, and deal with that situation instead of throwing all our money over to Ukraine? You know, I saw somebody made a comment today as Elon Musk is down at the border. We are we, we are now saying we're going to give Ukraine an unlimited check for as long as it takes, as long as it takes, which could be 10 years, 20 years. Who the hell knows? We have no idea. As much as it takes could be uh, 120 billion, maybe 200 trillion. Who, who, no one knows. Who, who has any idea? And meanwhile, the border, there's a literal invasion going on at the southern border. Of course, we know it's deliberate. We know the Democrats want there to be an invasion at the southern border. But can we talk about the, the national security risk that this open border is presenting to the United States of America?
1: Oh, this this topic is literally a mile wide and a mile deep. And I think Elon's trip down today, and I watched his video on Twitter. I recommend everybody do that. It's a, it's about 15-minute long kind of expose of what he found down on Eagle Pass. And, you know, we we're having... Now, Democrats start to talk about the what they consider to be intolerable pressures. This influx of illegal migrants is placing on them. You know then you get the New Yorkers complaining about the national national parks, and you have you know people pointing out that the uh, Atlantic City International Airport, where they're going to put some of the overflow from Manhattan, apparently, is also a coast Guard facility. So do you really want a whole bunch of unbedded migrants running around and what's essentially a military? facility. And so, the, you know, these are part of, of the problems and to have Democrats start start to say this is this is bad is why I think you're seeing a lot of folks at the House, and we strongly support this from Heritage, saying that border security is national security. If you can't secure the border, the government does not deserve to be funded. This is a, a basic responsibility. And if we can't get this under control, you know, the vast majority of Americans would support this, that, that we just the government has failed and it doesn't deserve any more of our money
4: yeah well said exactly right well said all right now let's talk about Iran for a moment because there's this 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 story uh, in the Atlantic about Iran and the 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 title is Iran's influence operation pays off the emails look bad uh, Graham Wood is I know someone that you've talked about in the past someone that you've I, th- I think have uh possibly even co-authored some pieces with am I is that correct
1: I haven't co-authored with Graham, but he's he's good on on Iran. And, I, you know, the, the interesting thing is that this piece appeared in the Atlantic, which has right. been historically very sympathetic to the Obama and Biden uh, approach to Iran.
4: So let's talk. So so tell me about Iran's influence operation. Yeah. What, what were they trying to do?
1: Well, basically, they were trying to infiltrate the Obama and then the Biden administrations to influence both the senior political appointees who would be negotiating with Iran on the original nuclear deal, and then the version they've been trying to get to recently. <coughs> Excuse me. And then also to influence the American people by doing a lot of publishing, uh, a lot of speaking engagements, a lot of media engagements, social media, so that the American people would receive loud and clear the official talking points from Tehran, and also hopefully not be scared of the Iranian nuclear program. Mm-hmm. So the former president, Rouhani, his uh, flunky and foreign minister, Zarif, picked about a half a dozen uh, dual U.S.-Iranian citizens uh, and put them in, uh, to, it tried, or got them into uh sort of the the upper circles of the Obama administration. And one of these women, uh, Arianne Tabadabai, is still at the uh, Pentagon. She has a U.S. government job as the chief of staff to the assistant secretary uh, for uh, basically counterterrorism. So that's where she is with a top secret security clearance, still there, even when it's been revealed through these emails that Graham was talking about, that she was in direct, constant contact. With the Iranian regime to spread this narrative about them, it's it's crazy. So Congress is going to have to take it up.
4: All right, let's think about that though in the context of Bob Menendez, who is very critical of the Iran nuclear deal. Do you think? That, do, I mean, I know that Menendez is a crook. I don't I don't doubt that. But do you do you think the timing of all these investigations against Menendez is? This is like a giant coincidence because he was critical of the Iran nuclear deal. Then he was critical of the the six billion dollar ransom payment, which was not a ransom, of course. We just unfroze money and got people in exchange for it. So definitely not a ransom. Uh, I mean, the timing of that is is particularly rich, is it not?
1: No, it is. And I think with Menendez, both this and then what's rumored in Washington, and maybe we'll be talking about this next week, is that Biden wants to do a massive uh, relaxation of sanctions on Venezuela and Cuba and get closer to those uh, sort of socialist and communist regimes and that Menendez was poised to be extremely critical of that as well and you know as a Hispanic senator would have had a very powerful voice there so i think i think certainly menendez gave them all the evidence that they needed and but being the biden administration they're not just going to follow that you know that trail to its logical conclusion they're going to hang on to that to use it as a blackmail tool potentially when it when it suits them they don't care about the rule of law they just care about implementing their extremist policies
4: well listen doc it's always a pleasure i appreciate your time i really do and uh before i let you go one more question on energy if i could the gas prices are going up again the saudis are playing their little games OPEC's playing their little games here and uh, in the midst of all this that's happening, the Biden administration, of course, you know, cancel those drilling lease permits up in Anwar, uh, and and the Biden administration also is making it very very difficult uh, for anyone in this country right now who uh, has a business where they sell oil. To make a living, because the Justice Department is now going after them for various different things, including lying about climate change. You know, California is going after them for this. I mean, at what point does everybody realize this administration is purposely hell bent on destroying American energy independence, and they don't seem to care if that drives up gas prices to five bucks a gallon because it, it, it's just not something that they worry about. They're, they they want to get this done while that old codger's in the White House. And hey, listen, if it means he loses, he loses. At least they got to get it done now
1: well and and that's the thing is 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 they they view energy prices as a domestic political issue they don't see this as you know a, a an issue of supply and demand they don't see it as a national security issue that you you want all Americans to be plentifully supplied with you know the most efficient the most clean and the most plentiful energy possible, and that that is very doable for us in 2023. But they don't care about any any of that. They just don't want their policies, which are raising gas prices, to be blamed on them at the ballot box. So that's why they do things like, you know, start this whole thing that, you know, the Saudis are the problem because they're not producing enough. The Saudis would turn around to us and say, you're the problem. You're not producing enough. If you want to produce more, produce more. You know, your policies are the equivalent of our cutting production. And, you know, this is why they're using the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as the strategic political reserve, as Mike Pompeo put it the other day basically as a, as a kind of political piggy bank that they could try to show that they're doing something to lower prices when it's convenient. So it, it really is, you know, outrageous and it's unnecessary. And, you know, one of the things I heard, for example, was when Prime Minister Modi was here of India over the summer, he actually asked Biden for more exports of natural gas to India so they could convert their coal electricity plants to natural gas. And Biden said, no, we're not going to produce anymore. We don't have enough. We can't commit to a major export to good ally India who wants to buy American products. That would be huge for Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, that kind of additional demand, whether we export it directly to India or not, if they start becoming a major importer of natural gas, that demand would come to Pennsylvania. And president said no.
4: Said no. Yeah, we're not going to do it. Because he cares about winning Pennsylvania?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think he thinks about it in terms of Pennsylvania. You know, I do. I think about, you know, gee, what, what would this do for Marcellus for right. and for our producers? All he thinks about is, I hate natural gas. I don't want to produce natural gas. I don't care if we have it, and I don't care if the Indians want it. All
4: right. I said last question, but real last question. <laughs> uh, Tupac, are you surprised that uh, Tupac is actually dead?
1: Well, I guess a little bit. You know, this this was the bombshell news of this of this morning. Uh, you know, it's a little bit like Ted Cruz being the Zodiac killer. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> you never know when these things are going to crop up. Uh, but but yeah, hopefully that mystery has been has been put to bed once and for all.
4: Dr. Victoria Coates, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you joining us. Of course, anytime. Take care, Rich.
3: The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
4: All right. So uh, more to talk about and the 5 o'clock hour. Dr. Wilford Riley is going to stop by. So uh, there you go. I'm just looking up the definition of the word extort, to obtain by force, threats, or other unfair means. Uh, I keep thinking about that in the context of the Biden crime family, the extortion that potentially now our enemies might be using against the President of the United States of America. So... There you go. Uh, it's the reason why the House of Representatives needs to continue with this impeachment inquiry. I'm glad they've started down this road, and I hope that we get some real results out of it. Uh, let me share with you uh, a, a, a clip here that I wanted to play. Since we, since we just talked about electric cars with Dr. Victoria Coates, it's very appropriate to play Little Pete Jiggy. The Transportation Secretary,
0: cut number three. And the Inflation Reduction Act provided so much money for green energy. Did the administration sell out these union jobs in order to build electric cars in America? Well, the opposite is true. Uh, We want to make sure that the electric car, the new technologies, are built in America, just like the old technologies. If a new technology is coming, right, which it is with EVs, and China has built an advantage which President Trump allowed to happen because he didn't do much to promote American-made and Union-made EVs. Uh, now we're in a situation where uh, you can't just trap people in the old technology. I'm sorry, but like, the, the idea that America is going to compete and win in the 21st century by clinging to 20th century technology, uh, that's a, a recipe for those jobs to disappear. And I know exactly what that can do uh, because I grew up in the industrial Midwest surrounded by the, the literal carcasses of the factories of companies that couldn't innovate fast enough. Uh, sometimes when, when I'm hearing this dialogue and this debate, uh, it, last week when I was testifying in Congress, hearing a lot about EVs, I, I feel like it's 2005 and I'm meeting people from the Rotary Phone Society.
4: Oh, you know what? This is not a question of technology. Like We we are unwilling to accept the technology. That's not the case at all. And the government, by the way, never had to pay people to switch to dial tone. The government never had to come in and, and say rotary phones were illegal. The marketplace took care of that. What an absolutely terrible comparison. 855 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. But speaking of cars, by the way, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, that is where you want to go. I am loving my new XC40. What a beautiful, beautiful car. It's like a frost gray, and it's it's, it's, it's not silver, but it's not gray. It's, it's just a very, very cool color. And the XC40 is super fast, and it's got a ton of room, ton of cargo room, and also it looks beautiful. And how about this? $2,500 in cash bonuses when you lease or purchase the new XC40 or XC90 from Cherry Hill Volvo. With Vavo financing. And if you're a Costco member, you save even more. Purchase a certified 2020, 2021, or 2022 XC40, XC60, or XC90 and receive an additional $1,500 off. Just as important as the best pricing is the highest quality service. And on that, no one can match Cherry Hill Vavo. They always work hard to provide the exceptional luxury experience you deserve. It's why I chose and continue to choose Cherry Hill Volvo. I love my Volvo and you will too. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philadelphia and South Jersey, right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships really do matter and they do matter. So please go see them today, right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. And if you want to do the same lease program that I'm in, Care by Volvo, at Cherry Hill Volvo, every five months, you can drive a new Volvo just like I do. I spent five months with that S60, and I loved it. It was the Batmobile. I was cruising. I loved it. But I wanted to go back and do an SUV. Maybe in five months, I want to go back to a sedan. Who knows? That's the beauty of Care by Volvo. One low price includes your payments, prepaid schedule maintenance, insurance, insurance, yes, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, and so much more. But remember, not all Volvo dealers are the same. Please only go to Cherry Hill Volvo. That's where relationships matter. That's who sponsors our studio. And that's where I go. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter.
2: Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk radio, 1210. WPHT, and on the Free Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.